Hi, Maddie. Hi, Erin. Oh my gosh, how are you? I'm good. I feel like it's been a while since we've recorded, like since before I moved out of the I, state. I know. I think we took a couple couple weeks off there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. First time recording in my new setup. I have a desk, guys, a standing desk, and it's all for this podcast, not for work at all. It is solely for the podcast. Yeah, we're investing in this. Is it an office chair and everything? You should have seen her before. She's just sitting on her couch. Now she's now she's a professional. Now I'm legit. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. I'm sitting at a an outdoor patio set that is indoors. And so. you always had a desk, so you have no excuses. I know, but I'm on my personal computer right now, and my work computer's in the way. Yeah, I just struggled for 15 minutes. I made Aaron wait while I was getting my uh, mouse pad, my keyboard. I had to, like, switch the orientation of the screens, because sometimes it won't let you, like, scroll your mouse across both, because it's, like, the opposite direction, so you have to reorient the configuration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So annoying. Yeah, get a when spray I go in- tan. She had to do so much. Get a snack, eat dinner. I was just sitting here for ages, guys. Well, Aaron, what's our topic for this evening? Okay, so... If you guys listened to last week, that's great. Um, quick recap, we're celebrating the Goodreads Choice Awards right now. Uh, we're picking a category and we're reading the runner-up and the winner. And then we're deciding who we think should have won. So last week we did 2019. This week we did 2020. And we're doing the mystery and thriller category this week. So let's see. The runner-up was Home Before Dark. Um, by Riley Sager and the winner was the guest list by Lucy Foley yeah so Maddie if you want to go through the synopsis of Home Before Dark yeah so we have Home Before Dark with the worst cover ever sorry like hot it? take no I didn't the neon green no no not a fan <laughs> okay well it's, it's definitely not the worst cover ever but I was not impressed anyway <laughs> You must not like any of Riley Sager's covers then. They're pretty basic. I, I really don't like his. I think one of them would have been fine. I don't know. Riley Sager has a very specific style of like the monochrome. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, synopsis wise. So Home Before Dark has 4.09 stars and 120,000 ratings, which I think that's pretty high for, for, for stars. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense that, you know, it made it into the, into the Goodreads Choice Awards and even like runner up. Like that's a lot of people to have read it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we have Maggie Holt and she lived with her parents at Bainbury Hall 25 years ago. So we're set in the present and we're kind of looking back in the past to this book. And after just three weeks of her family living there, they fled the house in the middle of the night. Um, her father, Ewan, wrote about the incident in his book called House of Horrors, which he released as a nonfiction book. And it like took the nation by surprise, essentially. And it was a sensation with believers and skeptics, like both just kind of talking about it. Maggie resents her father a little bit because she's had to live in the limelight of his book. And she does not remember any of the events that occurred because she was five years old, but she ends up inheriting Bainbury Hall and 
it's this insane mansion that's located in the woods of Vermont. And she decides that she's going to go there and restore this old house um, because that's what she does for a living with her friend. And she's going to restore it and then sell it. But in doing so, obviously, you have the classic Hallmark story where she has to go back to the town and, you know, meet all these people again from her past. And she's like, whoa. (laughs) Um, Classic, yes. But yeah, so she's a non-believer of what happened in her father's book. But then she starts to experience things in this house that she cannot explain. So, you know, that's kind of where we're set with the book um yeah yeah and so I guess the overall like question of it is if the house is actually haunted or not basically yeah yeah which is kind of like a a pretty standard plot of a person moving into a house that has been previously said to be haunted and they're like I don't believe you Mm -hmm. It's it's a pretty standard plot base but I do think Riley Sager does some unique things with it yeah I agree in that um I think the because part of it is that there's a book inside the book we yes yes um I don't know if it's excerpts or like the whole book if it was more like a novella because half of the book is reading from the book was called House of Horrors that Maggie's dad wrote and so we're reading a lot of the book and then the other half of the book is from Maggie's point of view in the house and going back to town and renovating and trying to figure out like her family's past and secrets and whatnot yeah and I going off that I think it's really interesting because the book alternates it's not um it alternates between giving a little bit of snippet for the past that relates to what's happening in the present and what Maggie's finding out um so it gives perspective of you know how the two things are related I thought that made it really interesting and I think it made it a bit more fast paced versus like just somebody sitting in a house and waiting for weird things to happen. Mm -hmm. I think it was a very good choice on Riley Sager's part to do that because if we would have had Maggie being like, oh, this is what happened in the book and this is happening to me. um, And if she just kept explaining this was what was in the book, this is how it's different or the same. I think that would have gotten really old really quickly. And so I really appreciated how he just gave us the book and like we could read it for ourselves and we don't have the lens of Maggie to kind of distort it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. It would have been a bit cliche, especially since she didn't remember it. And so I don't know if if those of you guys who might listen to the audio book, even like when he's reading the book, it's a male's voice. So it seems like it's the father reading it versus when you hear Maggie's portions, it's a female voice. So Mm -hmm it kind of like helps kind of like set the playing field. Did you have a preference of, of, uh, did you like Maggie's story or the book better? I don't know if I can answer that. (laughs) I don't know. Um, they're different and they both were very necessary to the the plot line. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say Maggie puts me off a little bit sometimes and there's a certain suspension of disbelief that needs to happen because how many five-year-olds forget everything that happened when they're being haunted? But that's my opinion of that. I think that's a borderline age. Um, five? Like I moved out of Wisconsin when I was five and I remember my like three and a half onwards of like things that happened to me. That's fair. I also think it might be a little... I don't remember when I was five, but I also, I think I had a very boring childhood. 
Um, it was just Midwest where we didn't really do much, you know? Uh, so I imagine like moving states or living in a haunted house for three weeks and being terrified. Cause like Maggie was the, from day one, right? She was seeing ghosts. Yeah. So some background, she sees Mr. Shadow, a young girl and Mrs. Pennyface and her parents just assumed they're some imaginary friends. And yeah, so that's what she's seeing. They assumed that at first. And then, you know, her dad is like, it's very haunted. And we had to leave in the middle of the night. Yes. Based off what the book is saying. Yeah. There's a lot of like kind of confusing things happening with that, but they were also another thing. It's like they were warned by the realtor. This is the house of horrors description of what was happening. Mm -hmm. It's obviously Maggie wasn't there to tell the story that this guy named like Curtis Carver murdered his daughter and then committed suicide. And so like that's some background on the house. And there was like a previous tenant where he apparently poisoned his daughter, like the original tenant. And so you have this history of like father daughter issues happening. And so that kind of really sets the playing field for what's going on with Maggie and her dad and how that kind of plays out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. We do know the history in the house. And so that kind of sets the stage for uh, the potential for it to be haunted. Yes, that, that's the whole premise. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Maybe she would remember. Maybe she wouldn't. I didn't remember when I was five, but I also didn't have any massive experiences happening when I was five. So yeah. And I'll, I'll give the one thing that with trauma, sometimes your brain blocks it out. So I'm sure. And yeah. I think that's what they were talking about in the book where that's mostly what happened. But I'm like, convenient for the plot line, eh? Yeah. And Maggie was also mad about it. Like her whole premise of like, I don't believe a word my father is saying is because I don't remember it. You know, she's like, I feel like I would remember these horrible things happening to me if it were true. And so then she, you know, goes in deciding that everything's false and it causes like a big rift in her relationship with her parents. Yeah. My preferences on what I preferred changed throughout the book. I thought the middle was very, very slow. I, thought, I fully agree. I made a note of that. It was bad. Like the first intro was fine. The last 100 pages were super fast paced and almost like epic. But the middle, I just, it dragged. During the middle, I really preferred the House of Fours, like the book within a book part. Yeah. Agreed. If, if we're going into like the nitpicky, like of, not the nitpicky, but like the detailed of like beginning, middle, end on which we preferred. I fully, fully agree with you. I think that is the only thing that kept me going was the house of horrors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Otherwise I think Maggie's part was better for both the beginning and the end. Yes. Obviously the end for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a con, a very big con of the book is like, it was dragging for at least a hundred pages. Yes. I fully agree with you, Mm -hmm. but, um, Another thing, so we're introduced to this character named Dane, who, I don't know, I just, I felt like he was irrelevant. <laughs> he was the son of the previous caretaker of the house, and he is helping her fix it up. And he's just like, like I said, Hallmark movie level. You go back to this town, and it's this guy from the hometown, has only ever lived there, and he's, you know, helping you do something, and you just so happen to, like... He's helping to do some manual labor. Manual labor. <laughs> yeah if you're not getting it they had like a itty bitty romance 
I will say it was itty bitty. So that's where I don't like fault it too much because it like was there and like, you know, I was like, whatever, but yeah. Would you have preferred it not be there? I, but that's the other thing. Sometimes it's like, why even include it if there's no relevance? 99% of me thinks it was unnecessary. Uh, But then there was like one, something happened where I thought that it added like a, a layer to the story in which I like appreciate it. But I was like, I wouldn't have even noticed if, if there hadn't been like a romantic thing, if she would have just like, just I, nothing. Yeah, I agree. The only thing it, it helped like solidify was that she was not a lesbian because of the beginning. I thought that she and her like partner for her job were like together. That would have been amazing. All right, that would have been better. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Dane, didn't really. Um, he was just there. Let's be real. He was just there, yeah. which I mean, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't needed, but I'm also indifferent to it. Like it didn't mm-hmm. make or break the book for me. So yeah. Yeah. It didn't make me mad, but it didn't add anything. So honestly, like having a, a romance or even like an itty bitty romance in a horror thriller mystery type book, usually I would be like, why, you know, <laughs> like that, the tone of it is like kind of off, you know? Um, but in this case, I think it, was fine the fact that it didn't irritate me said something that's true because I definitely read thrillers where it's always like this girl or guy and whoever is conveniently at the location where like they're investigating what's happening essentially and they like so happen to just have a romance by like proxy and because they're they're figuring it out together Mm -hmm. or they use it as like a oh my gosh your romantic partner's in trouble gotta go save them type thing like add a no, little bit of like a plot device. Yeah. 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 That's bad. Yeah. I don't know if I've I haven't read one of those in a while. That's that's horrible. Yeah. I would I'm glad <laughs> it didn't turn out like that. Oh my god. Um, She's taken hostage. You must choose between her or <laughs> I don't know. Now I want to read one like that. I think it would just give me a good laugh. Something really nitpicky. But there's one part in the book where the wife accuses the dad of like looking at like the 16 year old neighbor too long. Like he wouldn't like her in a romantic sense. Oh yeah. And uh, Petra's the, the 16 year old neighbor and the wife like accuses him of like looking a little bit too hard. And I don't know why, but his, his reply irritated me. Like I read it like three times because his reply was like, she's 16 years old. She's a child. That's ridiculous. And I'm like, I would have preferred you to use the word like disgusting. Rather than ridiculous. I don't know. It's super nitpicky. That's so nitpicky. It's I, so I, nitpicky. I fully don't agree. <laughs> that was not a thing that came to my mind. I don't know why. I don't know why. It rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, I just feel like, oh, the the 25-year-old neighbor would have been ridiculous, you know? But like, this is a child. Like, imagine if you're like 35 years old and you have a five-year-old on your own. And then your partner was like, you have the hots for a 16-year-old. I feel like it's a smidge higher than ridiculous. I, think- I agree, but I feel like the, he also thinks it's disgusting. And that was just implied. That's just word choice. That, that's, I don't like the word choice. I think choice. it's implied. I mean, that's fair. I just. He might have said like in his interlock monologue, disgusting. But what came out was ridiculous. And I was like, I almost, almost got mad at my partner. For suggesting that, like, I could have the hots for, like, a, like a child. I'm like, but like, he didn't even get mad at her. But I think he's using it as, like, by saying it's 
ridiculous. I think he's also implying that it's disgusting. I don't know. That, that's how I took it. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's fair. I just, I wanted a stronger reaction. I wanted a little bit more of a pushback and that's just me being incredibly nitpicky. Uh, and that was the only like extremely nitpicky thing I had about any more one word that one <laughs> any word. more words any more words <laughs> nope that's it thanks okay, <laughs> thanks for my nice. TED talk so my beef which I think is a little more than nitpicky because I feel like at least other people agree with me was the fact that the book is called well before dark and there's not that much relevance to so I went like on a deep dive of like why is it called Home Before Dark? Yeah, please tell me. I didn't do a deep dive, so I have no idea. I did, and I will credit somebody who comments in the Goodreads comment, um, which I still, even if it's like a subtle thing, I'm like, don't name the book that. Mm-hmm. It's like, why the fuck is there a chandelier in like a neon green? Like, it's just so subtle. Like, do better. Well, that's the chandelier that kept turning on. I know, but like, Okay, whatever. They could have done a lot better with the cover design in general, but I don't think the cover design was irrelevant. But the title of the book, I don't understand. So if you have the deep dive, I want to hear it because I, I don't know. Okay, I feel like I premised the deep dive a little too much, but it you took me a while to get where I got. Mm. If that makes sense, like I had to read through a ton of comments, but you weren't like Reddit post under Reddit post under Reddit post. I have been there, <laughs> yeah. but it, it usually doesn't get anywhere. Okay. It's usually like going down like a, um, but I was like, oh my God, this has nothing to do with this book. But someone on the Goodreads comments said that it was something that happened with Petra and that she was supposed to be home before dark. I did not get that. They specifically said like Petra, like the 16 year old neighbor, her mom was like, you need to be home before dark or something. So the connection between the like Petra scenario and why the book is titled is a vague. It was nothing ever explicitly said to Petra. But it is the idea that if she would have been home before dark, certain events would not have unfolded. I hate that. I know. It's so loose. That's why I'm like, well, do not title it that. I really don't like that. I don't know whose idea that was, but that was a horrible. And that is based off of Emily said that on Goodreads. All right. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. Okay. Well, besides uh, disliking the title... Did you dislike anything else or like anything uh, crazy? Strong feelings and opinions. I mean, I think we already talked about how we, we liked the back and forth a bit between the two storylines. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty shocked by the ending. I don't know, were you? Um, yes. Okay, so Riley Sager had like plot twist upon plot twist upon plot twist for like the last like, what, 50 pages, 80 pages, something yeah. like that. Um, I called one of them. I called one of the plot twists. Um, other than that, I didn't call any of them, but I really love the plot twists. Um, I do wish they would have sprinkled it throughout the book so that I would have, it would have held my attention during the very slow 100 pages. Yeah. Um, but I was riveted for those last like 80 pages. Like you could not have torn me away from that book. Like I was, I was here for it. I agree. I was a little confused at some point because there are so many storylines happening. I had to like take a step back and be like, so wait, if that happened and that didn't happen, does that mean this other thing was true or not? Because of the two different points of views. Mm. And having the book be like 
you know, you have your skeptics and your believers and then you figure out what's actually true. So I like had to like backtrack and be like, okay, so what in the book was true? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It is hard when you're getting two books that are supposed to be like nonfiction accounts that are contradicting. So you're like, was the book lying or was it just, I don't know how to put this. Like you have the book, you have what really happened. Um, what Maggie, I guess, is experiencing in the present mm-hmm. and what part of that is tied to the past. Mm-hmm. I, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot. Um, I did really like it though. And I think a lot of, I think, what did I do? I might've done like immersive reading. So like read the physical while I had the audiobook. Coining that immersive reading. I think that's what it's called. I've never heard of anyone doing that besides you. People in like booktube do it. Um, not like a ton of people, but like enough. Like if you need to get through a book real quick, it's a good way to do it. Because I get really distracted if it's one or the other. And this way I'm like full attention is on the book and I'm like fully immersed in it. And She's like, having her immersive experience. I Yeah, I, I don't know what else to, word to use besides immersed. But I was paying attention. I did most of the book that way. And so I think I was able to follow it decently well. But there were a lot of like, contradicting storylines and trying to follow what was true and what was false was not easy yes so he could have yeah yeah, he could have held her hand a little bit more on that but I guess but it also made it not your standard thriller too sometimes I like to not have my hand hold as much but Mm -hmm. did you like how how many plot twists he had or do you think it was overdone um a little bit overdone a little bit which is like, I mean, I would not give this book five stars, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't either. I do think it was slightly overdone. He could have like gotten rid of like two things, which I'm not going to like obviously say, mm-hmm. but. I was here for him. I think I just want to be like extremely entertained when I read Extremely it. disturbed. Disturbed. I would even call this book like horror. I'm so surprised that it's categorized as horror. Were you scared? Or okay, I will. Or oh my unsettled? god, I said that in my things I like that I was a little spooked. I will set the stage though and say that I was packing up my apartment to move, and I was alone, and it was midnight, midnight thirty, mm-hmm. and things were getting a little creepy. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, you created the right atmosphere. And I was listening to it, not reading it. And yep. that really, really helped create the spooky vibes. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. And I will say from the guest list, not once spooked. Not once. I don't think it's classified as horror. Well then why they well, this isn't horror either. This is thriller mystery. It's oh yeah. I was I was just recently on the Goodreads um thing and I think it was classified as horror. One of its subgenres was horror. Okay, sub. So, okay, I was yeah. like, because I'm like, that's a different category. That wasn't for, like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't top. the main one. I think they like, because yeah, I think the main storyline here is, is the place haunted or not, and that that was more mystery than horror. That's true. Yeah, I will say. So okay, going to some of the things I did not like. Um, there were some cliche plot devices, which I talked about a little bit before. Um. Her mother pissed me off. Her parents tell her she should not go back to this house. They are adamant that she should not go back to this house. And she does it anyway. And she just like 
so happens that her mom is going, is she like on a European vacation while she's here or something? Yeah, I think on a cruise, I think. Yeah. And she's like, she can't be like reached or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I was Maggie, I would grill my parents. Why won't you, why do you not want me to go there? Yeah. She asked it often, but she never, she always dropped it. She always dropped it. That's your whole life though. Like you have this legacy of being this kid from this book. Like how can mm-hmm. you drop it? Yeah. She could have done better. Do you have any other likes or dislikes? Um, on whether or not the house was haunted. I feel like there were times when he really leaned one way for a portion of the book and then really leaned the other way for a portion of the book. I wish he would have intermixed them so that I was like confused throughout. Um, confused or like or not confused I would be like oh I don't know I don't know I don't know you know but I feel like he very clearly leaned into one more than the other so Maggie was a skeptic in the beginning uh, but like I wish she would have she kept encountering spooky things supernatural things and she'd like ignore it and us as a reader she's like she's like oh there's an intruder oh the lighting has to be fixed and like this light would go off like six times and she's like why is the electrical still like broken and you're like girl like it's haunted like Riley Sager was being very heavy-handed and wanting us the reader to think that it was haunted yeah I I will go off of that and be like Maggie was not my favorite main character ever no she was irritating yeah but yeah there was there was some spooky things happening during the center of the book and Maggie was really irritating as a main character because she kept she was very dense and that she kept ignoring them and it took like 12 spooky things happening for her to even doubt a little bit yeah and so it felt like us the reader was screaming at her being like it's haunted and she was just like la di da the electric was broken I mean, some things, I think you already said this, some things were explained, though, like why it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Not everything that was spooky, like, was without an explanation, like a human explanation or a non-supernatural explanation. So I get that she wasn't, like, not every door she ran into, she couldn't answer, but a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess those were, I think that was pretty much all my likes and dislikes, um, the pacing was an issue. Didn't really like Maggie as a main character. Mm-hmm. The dad's word choice that one time. <laughs> that one time. Ridiculous instead of disgusting. Oh yeah. my God. Yes. But those plot twists, I think, were masterful. Yeah, Maybe a little yeah. too much, but I kind of liked it too much. So, so I didn't like it too much. The part I liked it was because it confused me a bit. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. But there was like one or two, which in the grand scheme of things, not that massive that I was like come on yeah but yeah and I thought it was really unique that they did two books in one yes I agree with that okay are we ready to move on to the actual winner of the Goodreads Choice Awards 2022 for no 2020 for mystery and thriller all right, Erin, tell us about the guest list. Um, okay, so this is going to be a little vague because there's going to be, there's a bunch of characters in this one. But in general, the book really follows five perspectives as they go to a deserted island off the coast of Ireland for a wedding, 
It's the wedding of a lifetime. The groom is handsome and charming, and he's a television star, while the bride is this ambitious and beautiful magazine publisher, and she's determined to make it the wedding of the century. And then we follow through the eyes of the bride, the plus one, the best man, the bridesmaid, and the wedding planner, for the most part. I think there's a couple random perspectives thrown in here or there, but those are the five main ones. As they go through this luxurious weekend that is less than perfect because there's a lot of like jealousies that happen, a lot of resentments and then old These boarding people have issues. That's, people that's have a lot of issues. They also bring in their old boarding school quite a bit and its traditions. So those things start to take over quite a bit. And so things go from, you know, uncomfortable to deadly when a body turns up after the ceremony. The night of the wedding. Dun, dun, dun. Who did it? Who? Yeah, it's a classic whodunit, isolated murder mystery. Yep, you got the standard bad cell service choppy water getting to this island dark clouds looming looming in mm-hmm. everyone's yeah. got a secret everyone's got i don't know i was gonna say something to hide but we all know the definition of secret so yeah that's fair <laughs> i mean <laughs> i, I would have taken it as normal though i been like yeah they secrets <laughs> and something to hide well maddie's my hype woman always yeah. So. um yeah but there's a ton of characters with this i always do character deep dives but maybe the, the audience doesn't like that <laughs> I can run through the main ones really quick just for like names um okay I have them too if you want me to do it so all right okay so Maddie and I are gonna tag team this character list ready guys okay so who was the bride Jules 10 points for Gryffindor hi So yeah, Jules is the bride. Erin gave a really good background in the synopsis of her. She's, I feel like she's a little perfect, you know, like she's got that little air to her. She's really successful. Perfect on paper. Yeah, exactly. Not to quote Love Island too hard, but she's perfect on paper. Yeah. Yeah. That's her vibe. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's really all I have to to say to her, about her. I will say she's a little ruthless and self-centered. Oh, yes. Uh, I said a bit uppity. Yeah. Okay. And who is her husband to be? William or Will. Will's your like stereotypical. He went to boarding school. His dad was the headmaster of said boarding school. He is a bit showy. Um, he is the TV host of a show and it's based off this game that him and all of his boarding school friends played called survival and that's kind of his I feel like that's his whole identity and his identity is a bit of him I feel like in boarding school which you know whatever people's identities are they're like high school it's like hmm mm-hmm. yeah and I think he's he's known for being very charming um, yes. he's able to charm ev- everyone he gets goes in contact with and part of it's because he's like beautiful like known for being beautiful yes and forgot to mention he's so handsome so handsome okay and who is charlie charlie is jules's best friend he's a guy not a girl i know that's a very like gender neutral name i love the name charlie for a girl i think that's very cool yeah yeah I agree. As a nickname or just name? Name. Yeah, it is beautiful. I've heard of um, Charlize or not. There's like a famous actress named like, I've only seen it spelled. I've never heard it. So I could be pronouncing it wrong, but it's like Charlize Theron or something. She has a cool last name. So it flows, I feel like. Yeah. If that's her real last name. I feel like it works. I agree. I agree. But someone used that name in a book I read way long ago and her like nickname was Charlie. So I thought that was kind of fun. Nice. Yeah. But anyway, Charlie, our Charlie. Our Charlie. So Charlie is married and has kids. 
So I don't know. Duels is, they're really close, but not everybody gets along because you have your like stereotypical, I don't know, the the guy friend of the bride who people are like, hmm, is there something else more there? You know, it's always mm-hmm. a, a what if or like situation. Yeah. It doesn't like help that I think Jules and Charlie flirt pretty heavily. Or they oh, just they do. Yeah, they're super flirty. They're super flirty. So it's like, yeah. there's a lot of talk going on. Yeah. And I'm getting, who would not like this, but Hannah. Yeah. Who is? Who it, Hannah is his wife and yes. the mother of the children. And she's the and so, plus one if anyone's keeping track of the five names. Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't really have any direct contact with the bride or the groom, but she's there for Charlie. And she's really trying to be supportive, even though her and Jules don't aren't like friends or don't, they don't not get along, but there's like awkward, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And who is Olivia? Olivia is Jules' younger half-sister. And she is the maid of honor, right? Yes. Yep. The only bridesmaid. The only one. Red flag. Yes. She's the only bridesmaid. <laughs> it's a red flag if you don't have any yeah. bridesmaids. Yeah. And she's 19. She is 19. Very young. But she's the only the red flag if you can't have girlfriends and only have guy friends. Yeah. Like she just doesn't the have one guy friends friend, in general. Yeah, she does not have friends. And the one friend she uh, has is a guy. That's not... This feels like we're talking about Love Island right now, but I guess if you only have one friend, that's not like a red flag. That's just sad. Because there's like girls who only have guy friends. Yes, true. There's girls who only have guy friends and that's a red flag because they don't know how to behave and like be a good friend to girls. Mm -hmm. But this is like a whole new level of no friends. But and guys who are only friends with guys are a red flag. People need women in their lives. Yeah. In a platonic way, what we're getting at. Um, anyway. I have a question though. Are guys who are only friends with girls red flags? No. Okay. Nope. You're covered. Yeah. I think men are just red flags in general. If you surround yourself with men, that's a red flag. Uh, not to yeah. come at too many lives right now, but. Valid points. But Olivia is 19. She has a lot of like mental health issues and she's going through a lot right now. And mm-hmm. I feel like people are judging her a bit and I'm not really a fan of that. And she's just trying to, to get through the wedding because you're surrounded by people who are like super happy and just celebrating love and celebrating like friendship. And she just feels very alone right now. Yeah. And Jules is really hard on her. Uh-huh. Jules is very hard on her. And like all, like she's beautiful, but she's 19. And all the men in, are interested in her. And she's like, ew. Yeah, it's like, that's He's not her fault. Alone. That's men being gross. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but she is able to confide in Hannah a lot, which is cool. Yes, I love their friendship, actually. I thought that, that was, really was cool. That was cool. That was one of my favorite parts. I, I agree. That was, that was really cool to see. And it was um, unexpected, too. It's like the two outcasts kind of found solace in each other in a very mm-hmm. interesting way you'll have to read <laughs> okay we got two left at least that i wrote down uh jono jono is the best man in jono jono think about that name doesn't that sound like the frat boy name like oh there's jono like he's kind of like the jokester in the frat and like yeah yeah oh my God. I was like what is his name yeah <laughs> i know i could definitely and the fact that like a 30 plus year old man kept it i'm like he's lived in the past i was like you yeah. could have because his full name is jonathan i was like you could have kept john jonathan even johnny is better but yeah. jotto as a 30 something <laughs> okay yeah, best man. He doesn't, compared to all these other really successful people, like the bride and the groom and their friends, he is definitely less successful compared to them. Do you remember his occupation? I don't off the top of my head. Um, I think he was like, was he a mixologist or? Well, his side business that he was trying to get going was uh, producing his own whiskey line. Mm, it's almost like your partner. <laughs> I'm going to start calling him Jono. Oh my gosh, I will. <laughs> 
Mm. He's my friend, so I can call him whatever. You I certainly want. can. <laughs> uh, my partner does bourbon, so it's a little different. Oh my god, so uppity! <laughs> you belong in this book. I just really don't want my partner to be compared to Jono. <laughs> There's so many similarities. Yeah. Also, Jono is like my favorite guy in this book, so be careful there. Jono was still disgusting, but they were all disgusting. But he was all the, the men in this group were so disgusting. Freddie, Freddie was mine. Mm. Freddie, I forgot Freddie. Freddie is the husband of well okay I hope you'll you'll probably get into this uh, husband of Aoife you want to tell us who Aoife is uh she is the owner of the folly which is this like kind of resort on this remote island but this is like the only thing on the island so keep <laughs> that in mind um she's the owner and her husband is Freddie she's also the wedding planner yes um, what a cool gig I know right I, I want to live on a remote island with my partner and then just host weddings and plan them that'd be awesome That'd be so cool. And make I would the hate. Food. Oh my god, this is my business. You better still have time for this podcast. I will. We just might not have cell reception. Better get the best freaking Wi-Fi. Oh, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's everyone. That's the cast, right? Yeah, that's yeah. everyone. Do you guys get all that? All like twelve people? Hey, that's better than a lot of books I've tried to describe in the past with massive character lists. Yeah. Okay. So, who was your out of the ones we listed? Who was your favorite and your least favorite, and why? Okay. I liked Olivia. Well, she also annoyed me. This is hard because none of them were great. <laughs> Lucy Foley did a phenomenal job of creating an unlikable cast. I yes. hated pretty much all of them. I, I agree. So I'm like, I'm struggling. Yeah. I'm struggling. I think um, my favorite was Hannah. Okay. It's kind of by default. Yes, I agree. Because I even put like, all these people suck, but like Hannah sucked the least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I think Hannah, did anything suck about her? No. Just very normal. She was very normal. And I think that was her purpose, though. Yeah, yeah. She was very normal. And so I kind of, you know, I enjoyed her normalcy. I actually, <laughs> it's funny. I think my least favorite people weren't actually listed. So like there was like a, besides Jono, who was the best man, there was like a group of groomsmen. You mean um, Femi, Angus, Duncan, and Peter? Yes. Those guys <laughs> were my least favorite. I hated them. They were assholes. passion. Like every single thing that came out of their mouths, I wanted to like shove a sock in their mouth. I was so tired of hearing them talk. The amount of times they said, just everyone in the book was like, boys will be boys. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Lucy Foley knows how to enrage a female audience. They kept like, you know, Charlie and Hannah are married. And so every time, you know, they would talk or Hannah would be like slightly like, oh, I don't know if you should do that. The the other groomsmen would be like, oh my God, you're so whipped. Or like, wow, you're really letting her like drag you around by like your man parts or something. Just like, that was the whole vibe. And I hated them. They they sucked. They sucked ass. Yeah. They I'm started chanting their Oh my god. This was the book where we do you remember our argument about Latin? Oh yes. Our our stupid Aaron and I had the stupidest, and I hope my family members who were there for this are listening. We had like a stupid, it wasn't even an argument, it was like a debate. Like it was a full-on, like we were yeah. debating in high school about Latin and the whole reason it was brought up because I had just read this book like yeah. a year ago and it was because of this book and like what they were chanting and just fully epitomized this like Latin and boarding school boys and how like Latin is only really accessible to people who are rich basically yeah so but yeah to sum up our argument that was what our conclusion was with the argument yeah <laughs> 
Yes. Maddie and I debated that for a hot second and our family was there. And Maddie and I debate, we sound like we're like heavily arguing. But we're not. Yeah, we're not like angry at each other. We're just debating. We're, what is it? Uh, Passionate? Yeah, passionate about it. Yeah. And I I also think both of our points we agreed with, but they were just different points. I was just saying that Latin is useful, which I, I still mean for certain things it's useful, but the whole point that you were arguing was that it's not accessible. And I agree with that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It was a weird. It was a weird. It was a weird night. Anyway, um, to bring it back to that's so funny. I forgot that that was the reason. Dude, I it just like came up. I was like, I was reading this book. It was like Ad Astra. What's what's the 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 slow the quote? Ad Astra s. Look it up. I never took Latin. I didn't either. Oh, but yeah, all these all these boarding school guys during like a drinking game started chanting their school what's phrase slogan slogan. They started chanting their school slogan in Latin, and like it was so annoying. I was like, these boys, they're boys. They never left their boarding school days. It was so incredibly annoying. Yeah, what was, was so it? Oh yeah, they, there was this game at their the boarding survival school. game. Yeah, I, I, I did mention that earlier. Yeah, you mentioned survival. I'll go into a little bit of depth it was just glorified hazing so like mm-hmm. every boy in their boarding school had their their time of they were like stolen from their beds in the middle of the night and were they tied up or no um blindfolded or were they just put in the middle of the woods and they had to find their way back they were tied up they were tied up yeah so they tied them up brought them out in the middle of the night to the woods and left them there and they had to like figure out their own way back and like that was their way of hazing and they glorified it and they loved it and they called it survival and that's what will's tv show that he now stars on is like based on and he tries to just survive the wilderness but that's hazing it's not okay no it's Um, fucked up it was so fucked up so uh but yeah i hated all the men in this book they were all trash i i hated to love all the characters because they were just so messed up are you loved to hate yeah but i was trying to switch it up hated to love so you love them am i being pedantic are you being what pedantic God. I've been wanting to use that word for a while. What that the fuck t- is that word? It's like... Is it like... I'm going to use context because from context, I thought you were being like... I thought you were using it as like being like nitpicky. That's what it means. A person who is excessively concerned with minor details and rules or with displaying academic learning. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good use. And you did that when you said that he should have said disgusting instead of ridiculous in uh, Home Before Dark. So look at you. Anyway, right? yeah. Okay, moving about- on to the guest list and we were talking about the characters and how I love to hate them. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they were, if you can, because I, I know people, well, I know booktubers who DNF this book because they could not, they they could not stand the characters. Like they hated them so much that it was just not an enjoyable read and they put it down. Whereas I think if you can lean into it a little bit and like you hate them and you just, you're here to see them, I don't know, you're willing to ride it out. I think you'd really like it. Yeah. If you're not, you know, if you don't need a goody two shoes main character, I don't know. That's how I view it. I kind of like that they were all messed up. That's the whole premise, though. It's like these people have these secrets in this, like, I feel yeah. like that's the premise. Like, I, I, yeah, I think a lot of authors try to make their main characters too likable, and Lucy Foley leaned into making them all horrible, and it was great. Yeah, but I, because I know you really liked Hannah, I was like, why is, I wish I hated her more, you know? <laughs> 
I I liked her the most because everyone else was deplorable and she was the normal one. And so maybe yeah. I think she was there to like make everyone else like I think she was needed. I think she, we need a boring normal person so that everyone else compared to her could just seem. And she's like the quintessential. She has young kids. She's a new mom or not like a new mom, but like a relatively new mom. And like, I feel like by society, they're considered like not fun mm-hmm. because they're just so busy and stuff, which is not not true. And I don't agree with. But so I think Lucy Folly did a good job of having her being be that character for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say because you did ask like who my favorite character was of all the, the messed up people. I I will say that I I because I said I liked Olivia the most. I I think I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Going back to that, I just feel like she was of the people and their messed upness. She was the most relatable in a sense like not necessarily like she, she had a lot going on so I can't relate to that but she was I, flawed but not in a messed up way not like, in a way that faulted her yes yeah I agree it was circumstances that she I mean either put herself in or was put in and was just trying to deal with them the best that she could mm-hmm. so yeah and sometimes she made not great decisions but I think in every situation that she was in I think so many of us could have made those exact same choices yes so yeah i thought olivia was like a super interesting character um i like we said before i really liked her and anna's relationship i think it really that friendship because i would have been really sad if like literally no one was having like a good time like the only two people on this island weren't having a good time but like they found each other and connected really well and i think that was really fun to watch I, I, okay, my least favorite character is probably, I mean, maybe it's not shocking to you, but I didn't like Charlie. Um, no, no, not surprising. I just, I don't know. There was some gaslighting. There was some. Yeah, he was, he was gross in a different way. Whereas like some other people were more like villainous, like gross. So it's like. Mm-hmm. It was easy to hate them. Whereas like. Yes. Good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie. Charlie's like, ugh. It's like that little bit of like, he could be somebody like on the street or like somebody that yeah. like, one of our friends is dating could have very like similar qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Too I real. think it would take, yeah. I feel like one of our friends could be dating, married. I think it'd be easy to like be with a Charlie or is like, I think from day, like the men I listed, like the rest of the groomsmen, I think it would be very easy to pick him out of a crowd and be like, I'm going to avoid all y'all. Yes. But he's like, Charlie's like subtly like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's not, he's not good. Um, I found it very funny that Lucy Foley didn't have any good male character. I was funny. I thought yeah, it was- I kind of liked it though. I know. I didn't hate it at all. I was like, I'm here for this. I wish every character or author wrote like this. Not always. No, not every, but like. Yeah. I also, I don't know. I just thought like the overall concept of it was pretty cool. Like you have, maybe there are more books out there that are like a wedding party and you have somebody that dies, but Mm -hmm. I just thought it was a very cool concept. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I love the the isolated murder mystery aspects. Like you have a group, you know, because like we also don't know who's going to die. You don't know who's going to die or who's going to do it until the very end of the book. And I really yep. liked that because um oh I don't even think have we touched on the timeline at all oh my god like one of the most important things is the fact that you're going from them discovering the body and you have like snippets of that 
and you go back in the past to like pre-wedding wedding and then finding out like who died and who did it yeah yeah it was very cool very it was super non-linear so like from the very beginning we knew someone was gonna die like there's a body found but we didn't know who was gonna die if it was an accident I guess we probably knew it wasn't gonna be an accident but like we didn't know who <laughs> we didn't know who was gonna do it we don't know if it's like a oops I pushed them and like you know died you know, like that. Oh, like, yeah. Heat yeah. of the moment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that made the pacing incredible, mm -hmm. especially when compared to Home Before Dark. I didn't think there was a single chapter in this book that I wasn't riveted. And like, I was turning the pages throughout the whole thing. I was never bored. Yes, I, I agree with that. I guess getting more into the comparison. I liked the plot twist of Home Before Dark better. This one, I saw coming. Who did it? I don't know if you saw coming. I, I did a bit. I mean, I. Yeah, yeah. I think this one was definitely easier to guess. Easier to guess with, the ending. And same with like, yeah, who died, who did it. Yeah. I still like liked it a ton though. So yeah. I think it was there just... are one too many connections in this. Oh my, oh my God. Please, can we talk about that? Can we talk about that? Everyone was connected. <sighs> in every way like like i was, literally put that here i was like there's no need for this yeah i think it was one connection too many i agree the fact that there was that one too many connections it didn't ruin the book for me at all i was really like eh, like okay a little much but like i'm still here for it it's still alive. yeah that's where I, it gets hard for me to compare the two books because for me like the one too many connections is about the same level of the one too many like plot twists mm -hmm. that is done in Home Before Dark. And so I was like, mm, you know, but yeah, I, I think I know which one I prefer, but Ooh, I, I, I think I, I do, do but know. okay. Mine is very, I don't have strong opinions. I have a slight opinion, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't like, if somebody was arguing with me, I would not go die on that. Are hill. we ready to talk about it? I I'm ready if you are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, what would you go for? Who, who would you vote for? <laughs> I'm scared. Did it, did 2020 mysterying thriller get it right? Or should oh Home I Before know. Dark take it I, over? So I told Aaron that I wasn't hundred percent sure going into our podcast recording, which one I prefer. So like I said, I don't have super strong opinions, but this will go, I'll, I guess I'll explain my slight reasoning and it actually contradicts how I started things in Goodreads. So just keep that in mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, oh my God, I don't even know right now. Like I, I'm still conflicted. Like I, depending on how I'm feeling, I could go either way. So it, it is a hard one, but I will All right, formulate say, yes. my opinion. We're voting for it at the end of the podcast. Done talking. Like, where are you right now? Knowing that it could change within in the, like an hour. Where am I right now? I would say I agree with the Goodreads choice ratings. Mm -hmm. um, primarily, the guest list was just very different for me. I liked how all the characters were messed up. I still didn't fully predict the ending. I that was really cool. And for me, I think that was what was lacking a bit in Home Before Dark was like attachment to characters, I want to say. But I still think they both, they, oh my God, both of the books were very good for very different reasoning reasons and so I would have if I had to judge this I would have to it'd be hard for me because I also think Home Before Dark was unique in the fact that you had two parallel timelines but it felt more cliche to me mm -hmm. so I guess if we're going off of how I typically prefer books if you have 
a different concept with good characters, I am usually more inclined to choose that over, I guess, a twist on a classic, I want to say. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what were your final ratings? Should I tell you what I rated them in Goodreads? Sure. It's like incorrect. Um, Yeah. Where are you right now, I guess? Right now I'd give them, on Goodreads, I'd give them both four stars. Okay. And what's in Goodreads right now? In Goodreads, I gave Home Before Dark four stars. And I gave the guest list three a year ago when I read it for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm like fully, I'm, I'm confused, you know, like, it's Mm -hmm. just like, like, like a state of confusion. I am much less confused. Hey, well, let's hear about your not confused. Cause I am, I think I know what you're going to say. Should I say what I think you're going to say? Yeah, yeah. I think you're going to pick Home Before Dark as your preferred book because you're very into that fast-paced environment for book and being into it. Um, It's funny you say that. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, correct reasoning, wrong book. Oh, my God. <laughs> I. But you would, love the plot twist of Home Before Dark. I don't think that 80 pages was enough to bring up the 300 <gasps> other ones. You're right. I don't think, yes, I think Home Before Dark had stellar plot twists, but if I were to reread that book I would literally only read the last 100 pages I couldn't do the other 300 the other 200 I couldn't do it I thought the guest list this is my second time reading the guest list I read it in two days and I was as hyped reading it as I was the first time like I was turning pages like knowing the ending like didn't change anything for me I was like really invested in all of the characters and like I was really like I don't get super like emotionally invested whether it like be love or hate or like whatever but here I was was like emotionally like hating them like ah, Maggie yeah. yeah Maggie all the characters are very yeah. forgettable they are so forgettable the pacing was so off the guest list had phenomenal pacing and I enjoyed so they both had that similar like it wasn't one straight linear timeline like yep the guest list did the the non-linear timeline of like you know showing the now where they find the body and whatnot and then the during the wedding leading up to it which I preferred that I liked knowing the ending and then getting to know it rather than I I rather than the the nonfiction book that the dad wrote and then the current Maggie. I think I yeah. I mean I agree with you. I just think the the one thing that the Home Before Dark like that scenario I feel like has never been done whereas this one has been done like with the guest list about like you know like what happens but you don't know like how you get there but that yeah, that, yeah, yeah. no and I you know maybe if I've read like a bunch of thrillers I'd just be like the guest list you know it's it's tired maybe but like where I'm at in my reading like I haven't read a ton of thrillers that are like this I haven't read a ton of thrillers that are like that and I think it was like it was thrilling I was curious I was like on the edge of my seat whereas like home before dark I was like 200 pages of just like whoo yeah I, was, I mean yeah. I was on the edge of my seat at the end but yeah the cool. last 80 pages were beautiful I think if we were comparing the last 80 of home before dark to all of the guest lists home before dark would have won but that's not life that's not life we're comparing the whole book yeah um, well I guess we we kind of agree then yeah in a weird in a weird convoluted way yeah. maybe in like a week we wouldn't agree if Maddie changes her mind I very well might yeah because I give the guest list I gave it it's funny because it was like a year ago it was like 53 weeks ago that I read the 
guest list the first time. And then I re-put it in Goodreads and I was like, oh my God, it's been almost exactly a year since I read it. Um, and both cool. times, yeah. So I guess it's been longer than a year for me because I read it in June, end of June. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But both times I'd give it a solid four star. Home Before Dark, it was between a three and a three and a half for me. Okay. I my my current ratings, I'd put it between a three, five, three, seven about for Home Before Dark. And I put like the guest list at like a three, seven, three, eight. So it's like, it's very, very close Yeah, um, for me. Yeah. Which is, it's so interesting because, you know, when you look at the Goodreads writings, Home Before da- Dark has a 4.09 and the guest list has a 3.85. So if you're looking specifically at ratings, Home Before Dark should have won. But the people, the number of people, the guest list had um, almost 630, about 630,000 readers. Yeah, I forgot to, we forgot to mention these. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so I, many. That's that's a ton of readers. And Home Before Dark only had 120,000. So, you know. I feel like they average out to be about equivalent, in my opinion. I, I think so. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I think that it, I think it's a popularity six... comp con- contest. I think if people have read one or two books on the list, they'll still vote. And it'll be for the one book they, if they like relatively liked it, they'll just vote. They want to vote. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to do some ratios to see. We definitely could just do a ratio. If you scale, I'm doing it. You scale it down to like a certain number of people, what would the rating be? You know? Yeah, but right now your sample size is only two. You could, uh, you know, go and do the whole Goodreads list and then see where they landed. Whatever. Okay, you can do the sample size of two. Fuck you. We might have to have a bonus clip where Maddie explains the math to everyone. So you do um, this, then you do this, then you do that. Yeah. But wow, I I don't think I was expecting us to agree. I know, because I, I told other? you. It's yeah, funny I mean, because I was, I told Erin when she was reading it after I read it for the first time that I was not that impressed with the guest list. Yes, she was, she was shocked that I rated it as high as I did. I remember that. I was like, because I was like, that's why when she said that and then I reread it, like right before I reread it this time, I was like, there's no way I'm going to like it as much, you know? Like I'm the type of person where like if I reread books, like usually my rating doesn't stand like the second time reading, but I think this one did. Well, mine kind of went up, so... Yeah, I just think it's interesting because for me, like Goodreads ratings are very dependent on my mood as well. So (laughs) I'm fully like, I don't even know. All right. So I think that really wraps up our thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll talk 2021 next time. Uh, Love y'all as friends. Love you as lovers.